Welcome to episode 327 of the AMPM podcast. In this episode, I'm speaking with Isaiah Fritz. Isaiah started selling uh, e-commerce when he was 10 years old. That's right, 10 years old. He started doing Amazon when he was about 15. He's now 23 and he's running an eight figure business on its way to nine figures. It's a fascinating story. He's got some great tips and insights. I think you're going to really like this episode. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Welcome to the AMPM podcast. We explore opportunities in e-commerce. We dream big and we discover what's working right now. Plus, plus, this is the podcast where money never sleeps. Working around the clock in the AM and the PM. Are you ready for today's episode? I said, I said are, are you, you ready? Ready. Let's do this. Let's do this. Here's your host, Here's your host Kevin King. Kevin King. Isaiah, what's up, man? Welcome to the AMPM podcast. Well, I'm happy to be here, Kevin. I'm, I'm glad you invited me. I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, I was at the ASGTG show uh, last month in New York and uh, just sitting there with, I think, Steve and a few other people just uh, shooting, you know, just talking, talking uh, shop. And up comes this uh, this young guy and he's like, hey, do you mind if I sit here? Uh, like, uh, sure, no problem. And uh, you, that was you. And you sat down and you're like, hey, guys, I'm Isaiah. Nice to meet you. What do you do? Uh, and, you know, and you just you were just there, uh, just just networking, and uh, it was. And then we started talking. I was like, "Dude, you got to come on the AMPM podcast. You got a pretty interesting story of what what you're doing." So, did you actually know who Steve and I were when you sat down there, or did, were you just just buzzing around looking for an empty seat to network? Yeah. So I I have never definitely never seen or or knew who Steve was. Now, Kevin, you had spoke earlier with your 30 cool hacks for cool kids or something. So, so I knew like you kind of who you were, but, uh, that was my, my first interaction, uh, for sure. And, you know, yeah, I brought up a chair and said, Hey, I gotta, I gotta meet this guy. So (laughs) had you been to very many shows before or, uh, in the Amazon space? No, I, the, the first show I went to in the Amazon space was prosper last year. And then I went to accelerate. Um, and then I went to a powwow, so that, uh-huh. that was my fourth Amazon show. Oh, and you're in Indiana, right? So you actually flew in for, for the show. Yes, yes. But it's not like you're new to this business and you're just like, oh, I, I need to go hit some shows. You've been selling on Amazon for like eight years, right? Yes, since 2015. And uh, it's it's been great. Um, I learned uh, everything. It was funny. A lot of people were like, how did you learn how to do this? I was like, well, one day I was looking on Amazon and it said, do you have one of these to sell? Click here. And I clicked here, and the rest is history. That was when you were 15 years old, right? You're only 23 yep. right now, and you've been selling for yep. eight years. So you started selling when you were 15. Yep, were you an right. entrepreneur before that? Were you doing other, like, other hustling other stuff, mowing yards or throwing newspapers or working somewhere else? Or did, did you yep. just, you saw that online, you're like, hey, this is, this is me. What, what led into uh, you hitting that button that said, you have one to sell, sell yours here? So I, ha- I have my success is attributed to my parents. Um, you know, I was, I was raised homeschooled, so uh, I never went to public school. And part of our curriculum was uh, eBay because my mom did eBay, right? So we would literally go to yard sales when I was like 10 years old, right? We're buying stuff and flipping. And she's like, hey, you're going to learn math. You're going to learn language arts. You're going to learn, uh, you know, how to communicate, all these things. So it's, it's, so we, I actually started, I was around 10 or 11, flipping stuff on eBay as part of my homeschool curriculum. 
And uh, and my mom was a little nervous uh, to get into Amazon, but I was like, yeah, we got to do this. We got to do this, you know. And I, I it took. I was actually wanting to get an Amazon a year before when I was fourteen, but uh, I, I finally convinced her when I was fifteen to, to say, hey, we, you know, let's let's do it. <laughs> so how did how did you, how did you get a grade? So if you go to a yard sale and you find some CDs or you find something yeah. that you can buy and sell. How did she grade you on that? Was it based on the profit you did or how much volume you did? Or how did you get a, a grade from, uh, from mom, the, t- the teacher? You know, I, I, uh, I guess our, part of our, that class was probably based off of profit. And each one of my brothers, see, I'm the oldest of eight. Okay. So I have seven. Oh, wow. Or I have seven siblings, six brothers, and one sister at the end. So it took my parents a while until they got their girl. And, uh, and so each one of my brothers have all went through the same curriculum and they're all entrepreneurs and you know the next next one under me uh he he has a uh, a a home trim company and the other one has an excavating company um and he also like you know sells um you know stuff on ebay on the side and my mom you know she's still hustling she she'll go to you know goodwill uh, auctions and buy pallets of stuff and flip and and so you know we're, we're we all kind of live in the same area and we're all uh you know just entrepreneurs together and and so yeah so i, I told my mom I'm like this school thing's stupid i i uh, how, how do i graduate as early as possible she goes well why don't you uh you know take some uh some of these college uh testing exams and she's like if you can pass a bunch of these college testing exams well i can we'll we'll definitely you know know that you're you're ready or something like that it was kind of an interesting answer and because i'm not doing this traditional curriculum obviously and uh so i i so I, i went and you know passed all these college exams and got a bunch of credits that i never used um, how old were you? How old were you at this time? I was fifteen. So it was right at that time when I completed that. So by the time I turned sixteen, I was done. I was done. I had already a bunch of college credits. I was um, ready to work. So I uh, I started a full time job when I was sixteen, working at a nonprofit. My dad he works at a nonprofit, and I was working with my dad and um, doing the the whole like Amazon flipping thing on the side. You know, just buying. From anywhere, liquidation, retail arbitrage—you know, uh, just flipping—and uh, so that's that's kind of the, the the origin right there. So, are you competing against your mom if she's doing this on eBay and now you're doing it on Amazon? Were y'all going to the same uh, places and like competing for lots and competing for things, or would you share? Like, she would put it up on eBay and you put it up on Amazon, see who sells it first. I was pretty independent, so I had my, uh, you know, I, I, I it was funny. I, I got my driver's license as early as possible, and uh, I remember the first place I went was this this local store called Ben's Bargain Center, right? And it's like for retail arbitrage, and I remember just thinking how fulfilling it was to you know, drive myself to a store and do retail arbitrage. It was the first thing I did with my first car. And, uh, my, I bought a car for 500 bucks off Craigslist. And, um, and so, yeah, so I was very independent. So we, we weren't really competing. I was, I I did my own thing, but I guess when we went to the same yard sales, I always kind of went for the electronics. She always went for the dolls. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of crossover. So how are, how are you picking the yard sales to go to, you know, when you look on Craigslist or you look on, uh, the neighborhood apps or, or whatever, or Facebook, you just looking for the people that are posting pictures or listing, like this is what we have for sale. And that's how you would make your list to go no, it, target it, them. 
just neighborhoods, right? And you always look for your neighborhoods or, but we found out actually, so you do neighborhoods strategically, right? But there's also um, the whole value to those country yard sales. So we're kind of in a rural area-ish. So those country yard sales, a lot of uh, people that are older, they've had a lot of past. And so they might have, uh, they usually have a lot more antiques, older things. They're more, more mature on the things that, they want to get rid of and they're also a lot cheaper prices because if you go to a neighborhood with a new family that's just you know bought this house they they know they just paid for that product that they're trying to sell at their yard sale 3 years ago you know it's it's a a lot of times it's a little different dynamic so we would also try to focus on those like older people country type yard sales we would find a lot of good things at one sale where neighborhoods it's a lot of uh, yard sales, and you might find here and here and there some good things. So that's kind of the strategy with the yard selling. So are you finding like you're like Amer- that TV show American Pickers, finding old Coca-Cola yeah. signs and old oil cans and and that kind of yeah. thing. Whatever we can find, and you kind of find your niches that you kind of know about, and you know we could talk for an hour on <laughs> all the all the how to how to flip uh, stuff at yard sales. It's such a fun thing, and like I said. I mean, I go out and I do it just for fun. I'll make $1,000 on a weekend. And it's like, I, I don't need to do it, but I just, it's just like, hey, why not? You know? <laughs> what's, what's one of the coolest things that you found? Something that you, tell me a, tell me a really cool story about one of the items that you, that you found. Oh, my. I guess the first thing that comes to my head is, uh, I, I don't know why I was always into the electronics, but I found a, a record player and I'm trying to think who made it. I don't remember the, who made it, but it was a Japanese company. And it was right when CDs came out, okay? So you know how uh, they were trying to compete with the CDs. So it had a CD-like tray for this big record, and it played on both sides. So you didn't have to flip the record, right? Hmm. And hmm. It, it was uh, kind of a, a niche thing, that, um, very rare. Uh, and I bought it for 15 bucks, and it had a broken belt. I hired my dad. I said, Dad... You know, I'm not the most mechanically inclined, but my dad was. I said, "Can you uh, fix the belt on this thing?" And so my dad went to eBay, bought a belt for ten bucks. I p- paid him fifty bucks, so I had what, whatever that was, like seventy, seventy-five dollars in this thing, and I flipped it for like five hundred. Um, and I, I just remember that was a cool flip. That's cool. I think you told me you're doing eight figures now yeah. on Amazon, and you, you, you've, it's, it's grown quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, since then, but so how, how did, when did it start actually getting into more like the bigger brands and yeah. stuff? And when did it be, quit, quit becoming? Let's go to the local dollar store, and flip something, and like, yeah. and, and become more like, okay, hey, I got something here. I need to expand this, expand this out. Yeah. So I worked full time at the nonprofit until I was 18 and but I was I was doing the whole thing on the side how much were you making roughly on the side you probably making more than you were at the nonprofit right I was making more of those on, on the nonprofit so I mean oh my I was getting paid uh, 275 dollars a week uh, for 40 hours uh, you know of work so I um, was definitely making more I was whatever it's like minimum wage minimum wage wage yeah which is cool. I think everybody should work a minimum wage job to start. You know, you, you learn. So, and I was digging holes too. I mean, it was it was the like bottom of the barrel stuff. But um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I did that, and uh, then uh, you know, I started full time the retail arbitrage. I hired a guy and said, hey, we're just going to do this full time. And you know, we we did. You know, when I was eighteen years old, we probably did. I'm going to guess around 
seven, eight hundred thousand dollars gross, and we're making crazy profit margins. And I know we sold fourteen thousand items that year. And um, and then I got an email that says your your account's getting suspended. <laughs> so, but yeah, when I you know I my account got suspended, and I said, wow, okay. And so I wrote some appeals, and they said nope. Wrote another appeal, did the whole you know email Jeff. Nope, nope, nope. And I'm like, okay, I have a guy that I hired, and my I have, what, I think it was like close to forty thousand dollars locked up at Amazon. And they said we're going to keep your funds indefinitely. And I'm like, I'm in debt because I'm like, at the same time, I'm building a house, and I built a, a house that is a warehouse house where it's you know I have a three car garage with a dock at my. House. <laughs> I do. I have. I have the only. That's dog. awesome. I have the only That's dog awesome. In my neighborhood, right? And my mom's like, "You're not going to use that talk," and I'm like, "I'm going to use that talk for sure." You know, I'm like, "Well, I'm building this house, right?" And I have an apartment, thousand square foot apartment, right? And I get this one guy working out in my half finished barn house, full barn house with a dock. And, you know, and my account's suspended on Amazon. And I'm like, okay, I'm in debt. Why did they, why did they suspend you? What was the reason? Uh, what reason did they give you? Inauthentic complaints. Uh, three. Just three out of the 14,000 items. Wow. Yeah, it was rough. It was really rough. And uh, so I tried and tried. I hired one of those companies that are supposed to get you unsuspended. And, yeah, the, the company, you know, didn't help. I didn't have any money. Uh, so I had to lay off my guy, which was the worst. But I said, hey, forget this whole Amazon thing. And so I was like, well, I'll just do eBay. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I'm flipping some stuff on eBay. I went and I bought a whole bunch of cell phones um, uh, that were locked, locked cell phones for five bucks. And I, you know, I bought like a couple pallets of them, and made $20,000 in a couple weeks. And so that was able to kind of like, you know, float um, during the, uh, uh, eight months that I was suspended. And so I started, um, I started trying to get a real estate license. I was like, maybe I'll just get into real estate. And I actually, you know, I, I partnered with another Amazon seller friend that I had, and I started buying stuff for him, you know, just trying to make ends meet. And then finally I'm at a trade show working for this other guy, buying stuff for him and learning the whole trade show game of, you know, how to go buy wholesale, right. Because I'm working for this other guy. And I, um, I meet this VP at this trade show and this, this VP t- tells me how he grew his company exponentially. And I'm like, and he was selling these products. I'm like, well, how'd you do it? And he's like, well, I sent free samples to all these, you know, big retailers and they started buying from me. And I'm like, well, how did you get the guy's names to send the free samples to at the retailers? He's like LinkedIn. And I'm like, oh, LinkedIn. And he's like, yeah, you can reach anybody on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, so I went to my hotel that night and I went on LinkedIn. I created an account. And I went and I made this form message and I sent it to every Amazon VP, whatever manager I could find on LinkedIn, my my story. I just said, hey, I've been suspended for eight months. Uh, you guys are holding $40,000 from me. And, you know, I have this plus, whole- plus some inventory, too, right? No, they sent back all the inventory. I had to pay the removal removal fees. OK, OK. So, yeah, all that came back, and that was crazy. The UPS driver's like, what is going on? Why do you fill up my truck? (laughs) Sending all this inventory back, right? So, yeah. At least you have a dock. Yeah, I had a dock. It's good. (laughs) At your house. (laughs) At my house, right? And, you know, I was building my house with money I was making from the business. So, like, I, I mean, it's amazing to, you know, when you really appreciate an air conditioning system. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like as you're making money to build these things you know yeah it's like or insulation like i didn't have insulation when i moved in i'm like what i was 
camping. So you so you send out these emails to all these Amazon people on LinkedIn telling them your story. And I get a call from from corporate from Amazon Seattle and they said, "Hey, we're so sorry for what you, what we did to you and here's your account back, here's your money back." And I was just like, "What?" And I ended up hitting Amazon Jeff Bezos technical advisor. And so at the time I didn't know what that was until I just read this new book. I think it's called Amazon Unbound. Yeah, are you familiar with that, Kevin? This new book? I'm fami- I haven't read it, but I'm familiar with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm in the middle of reading it. And so what Amazon's technical what Jeff Bezos's technical advisor is is Every year, Jeff Bezos would have someone to shadow him. And this guy, they called his technical advisor, would shadow him for a year and like and download everything in Jeff Bezos' brain. And then Jeff Bezos would put him in charge of something. And so at the time, this guy, um, I don't even remember his name, was his technical advisor. And so he got it done for me. So that was great. And um, so I hit the right guy, the right-hand man to Jeff Bezos during that year. And so that was great. So then I was like, man, if I'm going to do Amazon, I need to have invoices because that's what Amazon wanted. They wanted invoices and from manufacturers or distributors. So I started knocking on doors to manufacturers near me. I just want to Google manufacturers near me. And I started knocking on doors and saying like, hey. Literally knocking on the door, like showing up in person or, or cold calling or. In person. I would go and be like, we manufacture car uh, dashes. And I'm like, can we sell them on Amazon? They're like, I don't really think so. You know, it would just be random companies. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I I run into this uh, this company that making candles. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And, like, they, nobody op- nobody uh, opened the door. And so I, uh, I went back and the dock door was open. And so I jumped the dock and I got in and I found the CEO. And... <laughs> <laughs> You're just like walking the hallways, like yeah, yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this was like what 2018, 2019? Yeah, 2018, right? And I, so I, you're I, like 18, 19 years old. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, hey, you guys need help selling on Amazon? He's like, and uh, he goes, well, I uh, had just a guy two weeks ago that's gonna heart stop help sell stuff on Amazon for me. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And, um, he, he, I said, maybe I can sell another line or something. He's like, okay, we'll make a deal. He goes, I used to be a door to door salesman. So he's like, I really appreciate you knocking on my door. And I was like, Oh, cool. So he like, liked that. So he was like, he, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we got in and, um, I mean, like within the first month I sold a thousand candles and the other guy sold 18 that he hired. So he's like, I'm going to keep you. And so uh, we grew that into a $2 million uh, Amazon business uh, over the next year. And uh, that was that was like my first big win. And so after that, I said, wow, I can scale this, helping manufacturers sell their products on Amazon because I learned manufacturers hate Amazon as much as I did. You know, they got shut down. They had issues and all this stuff. And so I started hiring some, you know, smart corporate people. And, you know, and now I got, you know, a whole team I've been growing really a lot last year my team i've been investing all my money back into um hiring uh my team and uh infrastructure because i really am am wanting to grow this thing so at online selling partner what we do we just partner with good manufacturers that have a good brand and but don't want to focus on amazon like this this guy with the candle company he sold plenty of candles outside of amazon but he just didn't didn't like amazon he was shut down too and um and so we remove resellers, we uh, control distribution, we, uh, you know, grow your 
keywords and organic rank and PPC and we do everything and we just do it off margin. So but the key is that we got to partner with good brands. You're doing this through their account and managing no, like their no, account no. or are you doing it through a master account that you have or do you set up a yeah. like a partnership and create a new account that's a kind of partnership between the candle company in this case and you or how does that work? It's all through our account. We just want to make it as easy as possible. So we just purchase the inventory and take it from there. So we, we just do it all through our account. And so how many different SKUs are sitting in your account right now that you're that you're managing? Um, a thousand active SKUs and 50,000 FBM variations that for a certain client that has a lot of FBM stuff. But a thousand FBA. <laughs> so that's the real the thousand. So are you shipping? Are you shipping those FBMs or he handles that? Both. Uh, but mainly mainly the dropship client. OK. Just with a big SKU catalog. But uh, yeah, it's not. You know, it's a headache to manage that big of a catalog, by the way. I don't know if I recommend it. <laughs> so you just buy. So you're not doing a like, it's not like a management deal where you're taking no. a cut. Uh, it's it's straight up. You're like saying you're negotiating a price like with a candle guy. You negotiate yep. a price I and then it. you're deter you're determining yep. uh, what you're what you're going to do the listing, everything. And what about like brand registry and stuff on that? Do you have to go work with them to agreed? Yeah, the brand registry, they they create a brand registry account and give us access and we be, we get selling benefits and all that. And, it, you know, we become the brand for Amazon. So how are you, what's the methodology? People are always that, that want to do this method. They're always worried about like someone else jumping on the listing. Like you do all this hard work and this guy, you know, in, in the back to the candle example, he's selling the candles to other people and maybe some other store that he sells the candles to decides they're going to list, you know, they're buying wholesale from him. They're going to list on Amazon. And up pops, uh, you know, another seller on, on top of you. What what do you do in that case? That's why a big part of our work is controlling distribution. So we have an exclusive contract uh, with the brands, and uh, it's it's all you know written out. And I mean, Kevin, I can do one an of Amazon exclusive. You mean? Yeah, yeah, Amazon exclusive. Okay. And then uh, we communicate that all out to all their retailers that they sell to, and say, hey, you can't sell on Amazon. If you sell on Amazon, we're not going to sell anything to you, and it's a big deal. So you're be you're the wholesaler then. To the other other people, or he's no, the, no, the no. no, we we communicate it through the brand. Like the, we we help the brand do this, right? So we say, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to communicate to your to your accounts that hey, this is what we're doing. We're managing Amazon now. We don't want anyone else to sell on Amazon. And if you do sell on Amazon, we're going to stop selling to you, type of thing. So you know, a lot of people, a lot of brands, like the the whole methodology is with retail is sell to as many retail stores as possible, right? But with Amazon, you want to do the opposite. You only want, you want to control it. If you're going to control it yourself, sell through your own account or sell with a partner, um, you can't do the whole brand registry thing, the whole uh, advertising, if unless you have a buy box, I mean, uh, and it's hard to update content and everything. So these brands are realizing they need to be on Seller Central controlling it either through their account or through someone else's account. So it's been a real big shift. And a lot of your major brands are are shifting to this model that that we provide. It's a lot it's a lot like like if you think about how the cloud works, where when Amazon AWS first came out, everybody thought it was crazy. You're like, hey, I got IT guys, I have servers and all this stuff. You know, why why would I pay Amazon to do you know to to host my servers? And then come to find out it was a lot cheaper and easier. Uh, if you you wouldn't have to hire internal employees, you don't have to have internal equipment or processes. All you have to do is hook up to the cloud, and all your your needs are done. So we see us as 
uh, the future of of the the cloud in this space, where uh, companies will find it's a lot cheaper and easier to just pay us, which we work off low margins anyway, than it is to build all the infrastructure, hire employees, and you know do all the headaches and uh, you know pay for Helium Ten and <laughs> all the other expenses that come with managing Amazon. Um, why not just give it to a company that can do it better and cheaper? So that and part of it too is some of it's exactly like what you just said that they just don't want to mess with it. Yeah, and a lot of them don't understand it. I mean, th- oh, absolutely. Selling selling on Amazon is not easy. Yeah. And a lot of people paint it as this easy thing, but you got to know a lot about a lot of things. It's yeah. about marketing, logistics, keywords. Um, you know, just there's there's so much that you have to know, and a yeah. lot of these companies they're they're focused on what their core business is, and they'll a lot of times they'll go hire somebody. That you know, off of LinkedIn or off of wherever, some recent college MBA graduate, yeah. and they don't know what they're doing, and they're 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 trying to figure it out and learn, and it's costing the company money. It's much better to go to someone and like yourself that yeah. knows this, that lives and breathes this, that's got the experience. And there's not a lot of people like that, to be honest. There's a lot of people that pretend to be like that, but there's not a lot of people that have that kind of guerrilla entrepreneurial. Uh, instinct that it takes to really succeed on Amazon as a third-party seller. And yeah. I, I think that's a, a key point there. And I think it's a major yeah. opportunity. That's right. And the good thing is you're probably getting terms from some of these guys. So you're not having to, you know, unlike a yes. private label, you're not having to come out of your pocket for, for everything. And you're getting credits for anything that's bad, uh, you know, it's, it's returns and, and that kind of thing. So it's actually it frees up a bunch of cash flow and lets you focus on what you do best. Uh, the margins might be lower. It like, is- what, what's a tip? I mean, I know like in wholesale and private label, people always shoot for a 20 to 30% margin. They say, if you can hit 20%, you're is doing that- good. If you can, if you can hit 30%, then, then, or higher, then you're doing really good. But in wholesale, most people are working on a 10% or less margin. Is that, is that- what your experience well, is? Kevin, is that net you're talking or gross? Yeah, that, yeah, that's net. Net. Okay. Yeah. So with us, we're happy at 10. Okay. So, uh, 10% net. Um, and the, so it's, it's a, it's a complete volume game. I mean, we've always been profitable from day one. So, uh, we, we, we do it right. And I'm, I'm super happy for that. But, um, I mean, if you look at like Scott Needham with buy boxer, his, his vision was to do what we're, we're doing. I don't know if you guys know Scott Needham, but, mm-hmm. uh, he, he was one of the big, uh, players in the, in the wholesale space for a long time. And you know he lost money a lot of years. He made a couple points um, and scaled the thing, and 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 so. And but he was doing like fifty million a year, and making like a million dollars or something. So it was it, it wasn't good. So it's so important if you're going to have a model like what we have is making sure that you're cutting costs as much as you can, uh, making sure that you can do it efficiently. Uh, you know, it's not it's not rocket science. It's not like we have a lot of secret sauce. It's more just like we're doing everything as, and focusing on everything, every little thing to, to cut back expenses so that we can make a slim margin of 10% uh, net, which last year, you know, was a lot lower because we were obviously investing and in everything. So, yeah, it's a it's a hard model, um, but it doesn't like for me, it's not going to work unless I can do a hundred million in, in, in a couple of years. And that's, that's kind of the goal. So if I can do a hundred million and have a 10% net, we'll see if that happens. Um, then yeah, it's worth it. But if not, you know, do you, you know, and, and you're good at private label and you're making this 20%, 30% margins, and then you can exit because you have equity. 
I mean, that's that's a great model. I, I think the guys that that do the the private label is great. It's just it's really hard to scale a private label to 100 million in just a couple of years. So the nice part about my model is I'm leveraging the brand and their equity and what they've done, and I'm just doing the Amazon part. So I don't have to do all the branding and all that stuff. I'm, I'm leveraging that. It's already there, and I'm just making I'm cash flowing right. And uh, but with private uh, label, you have to do both, and you're trying to scale it. So it's it's really hard. That's kind of like the difference that how I see it with models. Yeah, I would say what you're doing requires a lot of operational excellence. Yes, and right. what you're what you're doing, like like you just said, that's a good point of the two. There's nothing wrong with either model. There's so many different ways to mm-hmm. make money on Amazon, and what but what you're doing is you just said it is cash flow. Yes. You've got to get to a hundred million in sales yes. so that you can hopefully take some chips off the table. Yes, uh, versus if on on private label, I don't need to get to a hundred million in sales. I can get to five million in sales yep. with a twenty or thirty percent margin. Then, then take that and actually sell it for a two to five x. Depending, you know, right now it's a little difficult, uh, but it, that's going to come back. But a, a two to five x, and I can take more money off the table. I'm building an asset. So private label, you're building an asset. You're you're building cash flow, yes. and so it, it, that's the big difference between the two. And there's, it's more difficult. It's going to be more difficult for you to sell your company if you Absolutely. decide I'm I'm done with this, uh, and you're like I want out. It's going to be much more difficult for you to sell. It, then it would be a, a private label person who's also doing well, uh, and that that's so. There's there's advantages and disadvantages to both sides, but you can operate yours uh, with with a lower investment, and you can you can use that cash flow to build it, build it, build it. Yeah. But you also look at like the the company I'm forgetting their name right now. It's one of the biggest on Amazon was Pharma basically Packs. doing doing what you're doing in Brooklyn. Pharma uh, and yeah, Pharma Packs, and they just they got in over their head and yep. just got- and could. They tried to raise money, and it, they yanked the the financing from them. They tried to sell; nobody wanted it. Uh, yeah. that's the risk too. Uh, and you know, you could always your biggest brand that you're selling right now. There's probably you probably have you know out of those thousand SKUs, there's probably I don't know how many brands that is, but there's probably a, a handful of those uh, of your companies that you work with that are generating most of the cash. And if if uh, one or two of those says, "Hey, we're just going to take this over internally; we don't need you anymore," or what have you, you're you got scramble as well. Yeah, that's why we don't enter into anything without a multi-year contract. Yeah, so the cool thing about my model is a lot stick. It's very sticky because it is really hard for these big brands to replicate what we're doing quickly, right? Where and they can't just switch to another agency quickly and easily. So when we sign a contract, it's a marriage. Like we're 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 expecting minimum of two years, right? When we when we get into a relationship with these brands. Um, so it's, it's very long-term game. So that's what, that's what makes it better than an agency. And also the margins are a little higher than a lot of agencies, but obviously we have inventory and stuff. So there's more risk. Um, but it's also a lot, it's more scalable than an agency in my opinion, and also less competition in my model because it's so much work. Now, are you carrying the, are you carrying this inventory or are you having them ship it directly to Amazon? The people that you work with say, Hey, ship, uh, can you, Depends on the partner, but we do both. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it all comes down to the numbers. <laughs> With mine, it's business. You gotta watch the numbers so closely, and but like I said, I'm really playing the long game. I really think this is the future of established brands. I feel like established brands are really going to go um, to companies like ours. Um, I don't think there's a lot in the space. I mean, right now you have just a couple, and even less that are doing it well. 
and uh, my, you know, so my my goal is because I'm young is I, I want to build a good cash flow asset so that I can cash flow for 30 years. You know that I can build and say, hey, this is a hundred million dollar plus company that's that's cash flowing for 30 years, and it's just it's working. And then after getting to that point, I built a machine that I should be able to learn from all these giant established brands that I could probably produce and do private label way better than anyone else. Yeah, that's, I was going to ask you that, uh, like you're getting a lot of data now. Do, are you seeing opportunities like, man, yes. this, uh, this one thing right here uh, is, is crushing it. I could just go private label this and sell yep. it myself. I mean, you, or you could go to that company and say, Hey, you should do this. And then we're doing both of the, we're doing both of those things. And that's, that's definitely the future. It's like, my goal is like to build this core machine cash flow thing that I'm not going to sell, but Hey, I can, I can, it'll just be a flywheel effect that I can, you know, like you said, build private labels, help, you know, it's, it's just a whole, it's a whole flywheel. That's, that's the ultimate plan. But now you've gotten to the point where you've had to kind of pivot in what you're doing because you've grown to eight figures. Yes. And like you said, you hired a bunch of uh, people. Uh, I don't know if those are local people or if those are people all over the world. Uh, but now you're having to become more of like a, a, a general, you know, a CEO yeah. or, or whatever, uh, and less of a, uh, a guy who's down in the weeds. And how, how's that pivot been for you? Great question. That is a huge pivot. And most people can't do it. I know a lot of small business owners that have been small business owners for 20 years, and they uh, they just they can't make the transition. And so I'm super super glad that it's been going. I feel like you you should probably ask my employees, not me, but I feel like it's been in it's going well. So um, realizing, I think one of my men, having good mentors is is very key. Um, and 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 uh, I could go into a whole session on how to find good mentors but just connect and talk to to successful business people and one of the biggest things they said is that at the point where i'm at and what i'm trying to do is it's not about me anymore it's about my team because i i'm only a i'm just a small part of my company now i'm just like telling guys everybody like this is the vision this is where we're going my team is doing the execution and it's all about them so like when i'm having that transition of when I'm in a meeting or when I'm doing things, uh, you know, not just saying it's all about me. Hey, I have the best idea. I'm, I'm the king or whatever. It's, it's about how can I help my team? How can I lift up my team? How can I genuinely care about my, uh, employees goals and how that can they align with the company's goals? That is, that is the key. If you can get that, um, then you're going to be extremely successful at anything in life um, if you give more than you get. And the more you give, the more you will get. Well, I think that's important that the employees know, they don't need to be experts or know every little thing about the, how the business runs, but they need to know like the basic stuff. And it's yeah. just like DoorDash, you know, the delivery company, I think they have a requirement that every executive spend one day delivering, one day a month. They have to go out and actually get in their car and deliver food and, and stuff to people, you know, just, just like their employees, just so they can understand and they can see how the process works and it, it, it makes them better managers. Do you ever get any, any, uh, any pushback since you're young, you know, you hired, like you said, your CEO's 56 or, or people are like, oh, you're just some young kid. You don't, uh, don't know, uh, what you're doing or, or do you get a lot of respect, uh, because of your experience and because of how you're doing things or has that been a struggle? at any time for you? That's a good question. 
in because I'm very self-conscious. Uh, not only do I I am young and I am dumb, but I'm also uh, uh, I look young. So it's it was it, that was probably another reason why I didn't get out and network a lot because uh, definitely people would dismiss you uh, initially. But it, it has been great if I can get a conversation going. I get two different types. I get the type of people that have tremendous respect and say, wow, that's amazing. I wish I was doing that at your age. And then I get the people that are just, I don't know if it's jealousy or whatever, but they just, they completely dismiss you. What are you doing now? I mean, you went through that uh, pain of having your Amazon account shut down for eight months. Yeah. And now that you grow on this big business, what are you doing to protect yourself as best you can to keep that from happening again? Number one, guys, make sure they have solid invoices from the manufacturer and distributors. A, make sure you are responding to all your account health stuff. I mean, all the basics, guys. I mean, Amazon, you know, they will send you emails. Respond. I've literally had stuff shut down for days and did a deep dive on it. And all it was is Amazon sent us an email and we had to reply yes. And we forgot to reply yes because somebody missed the email. I mean, it's literally stuff like that, that it's just the devil's in the details. Like, it's all about the details. This business is just one little, you click the wrong button or whatever it is, and it's it's all about the details. So make sure, you know, you're paying attention to all those things and trying to create SOPs around those things. And that's what I've been doing. Awesome. So what what's what's next? You said you want to grow to 100 million. How yep. long do you think it's going to take you to get there? What's your plan for that? We're projecting, I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, we're projecting 2025, uh, we'll, we'll finish off with a hundred million. Um, so that, that's, that's what we're thinking. How many, how many additional clients is that, that you're going to have to add to get to that? Or is that just growing your existing base? No, it's uh, additional clients for sure. So our average client size is around right now is, is around $2 million on Amazon. Um, we're trying to grow that average client number like we're trying to push up like we're not accepting small clients anymore um and so so we're, we're pushing that up but if we keep that obviously um then you're gonna you're gonna need uh, around 50 uh, to do that that I'm, I'm saying average new clients not mm -hmm. existing but average average new clients uh to be able to uh, 50 in total uh, by 2025 and so it really doesn't take a lot of clients but they're deep relationships though so it, it is tough to sell what we do. Like it is a tough sale. And our sales cycle takes, you know, on average 90 days. So it's, it's, uh, it's work <laughs> for sure. So, so for someone to do 2 million on Amazon, for one of your clients to be able to do 2 million in sales on Amazon, what do they typically need to be doing off of Amazon in their current channels? So you're only going to businesses well, that are doing 5 million plus already or... Yeah. Is it someone, or, or what? Is there a magic? Is there kind of a, a yardstick number there that you look at? It, it depends on the category. I mean, uh, Kevin. I mean, if if somebody sells um, a very uh, a grocery product, I mean, uh, you know, grocery online Amazon, you know, traditional FBA is probably what two percent of their sales, five percent of the sales. It's very low. Um, where you know something like in the electronics category, it could be you know eighty percent of their revenue. So it, it is very category. Uh, depends on the category. But I would say on average that um, we should be able to at least, at least do 50% on Amazon of whatever they're doing everywhere else. I've always wondered why why someone hasn't focused on Shark Tank. You watch Shark Tank? Yeah, yeah. Why, why someone hasn't actually focused on the, the guys that, and gals that go on Shark Tank? 
that have their little product innovations. And sometimes you'll hear them say, oh, we're selling on Amazon, but it's like a joke. Or they're not selling on Amazon and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, I've always wondered why someone doesn't just say, hey, we're going to take Shark Tank products and that's what our specialty is going to be and blow those things up and, and actually show them how to do it right. I think there's well, great a, a huge opportunity there. I've thought about it, obviously. That's been going through my head for, for a long time. Um, I would say the biggest reason is because Shark Tank products aren't always great. So... Yeah, no, a lot of marts. That's yes. true. So, like, they always get a. If you look at the data, they always get an initial bump when the when the when the shark eight, shark tank episode airs, but then after that, it just if it's a bad product, it just you know a huge lull, and then oh, it, the episode airs again, and then you get this bump, and then it's just like this lull and this bump, lull and this bump, and it's it's yeah. So I mean, you know, a lot I, of that's because they don't know how to do. They don't know how to. They don't know how to take advantage of that bump. They, they, they're just sitting back yeah. waiting for those bumps to happen. And, and they don't know how to take advantage of that, to, you know, for ranking purposes and optimization purposes and all that kind of stuff. That's, That's where true. I think there's, there, there could be a huge opportunity. That's true. It, I, still, if it's a bad product, though, I'm not going to play. Yeah, exactly. If bad <laughs> product's bad product. It's, there's yeah. no point. Exactly. Yeah. So do you have, are any of your uh, clients, like, you don't have to name any names, but well-known brands, you know, the, the Nestle's of the world or those, those type of things, or are you all more just smaller operation yeah. stuff? Yeah. A lot of them are smaller, uh, right now. I mean, we're, we're, we're moving up the ladder, especially this year where we're, we're talking to more and more bigger household brands. Um, one of the most recent ones we just got was uh, a company called Purling Cookies and they are these rolled wafer cookies in these tins and they do about 50 million a year in retail. And they're they're a very well known uh, brand. It's one of those brands that everybody's like, oh, who are they? But then they look at it and they're like, oh, I know what that is. I have those all. I've been ha eating those for fifty years. But yeah, you can just look them up, like rolled wafer pureling cookies, and they're just they pretty much dominate that. They dominate. They're the leader in that market for sure. Yeah, one of the things you could always do too with these uh, these bigger brands or anybody if they already been selling on Amazon. Like if you approach somebody and you're like, hey, we'll take it over, and yeah. they've been selling on Amazon whether they're a big brand or someone smaller, you could always sweeten the pot. I don't know if you do uh, do reimbursements. You have someone like Gatita or Seller Investigators or someone like that that yeah. will actually go into the account because most of these guys have never done that. Yeah. Uh, and there's sometimes there can be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, in case, some cases millions of dollars uh, just sitting there. And if you, if you went in uh, as part of your sales pitch to, you know, good idea. I don't know, a Nestle or, or someone yeah. like that and said, hey, uh, let us take over your brand. But before we do anything, we have an idea where we want to get you, you know, it's usually about 3%. So if they say, yeah, we're doing a, we're already doing 5 million a, a year on, on Amazon or whatever, you could go in them, to them and say, well, let me, uh, 3% 3, 3 of, of 5 million would be what, 150,000? You could go into them and say, hey, and some of these guys have never done it before. It's more than 3%. Let, let me, uh, let me just, I just want to give you a gift. You know, uh, I don't know what's going to be. I just want to give you a gift to show you that we know what we're doing. You don't have to tell me anything else. Just <laughs> give me access to this. And uh, two months from now, you know, we're going to send you a check for a, you can't promise an amount, but you know, sure. we're going to send you a check for whatever. And you send them a check for a hundred grand. They're going to be like, holy cow, uh, this guy, wh where'd this come from? How do you do this? And you're like, that's what we do. Uh, you know, you could probably win a bunch of clients with some sort of cool, clever marketing like that. No, uh, no, I don't know. It's just an idea. It's just an idea. Just just came to my head. Uh, Kevin, I gotta ask: Is can you do that for 
Vendor Central because most of our clients yeah. do not use Seller Central. So can you do that for Vendor yeah, Central? Yeah, the, 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 the bigger money is in Vendor Central. Uh, some of the reimbursement companies actually do have, can do Vendor Central. I know like uh, there, there's a couple of them that can actually do uh, um, vendors, Vendor Central where there's huge Ooh. money. And I've, I've heard stories where someone got like uh, $10 million back or, or right. something. It was, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy number. Uh, and they they're just, they're just thrilled thrilled to death. I'm totally I'm totally in. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I just I didn't even, I didn't even think about this because most of my clients are are vendor. So that's that's awesome. But then, but vendors still there's still yeah. money there too. I mean you yeah. should be doing it for all. If you're not doing it for all your thousand SKUs right now, you should be. Oh, uh, well, that's I'm doing just, it for my, yeah. on Seller Central. Yeah, we we do it. Yeah, dude, but we've tried all of them. But Gatita, all uh, Seller Sniper, whatever. Yeah. But but yeah. But you know, and ourselves, <laughs> we have our own SOP. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, you're right. I mean, if I, I never never thought of that, Kevin. If this is the only thing I got from the podcast, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go do all my clients' vendor centrals. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of you listening, if you if you're not using a company, uh, there's several of them out there. You can take your choice. But if you're not using a company to check for weights and dimensions errors, for lost inventory. For people who ask for a refund and never send the thing back, but Amazon took the money from you, it, it can add up to serious, serious cash. It, it, it's yeah. it, it's something that you definitely uh, need need to be taking taking a look at. Yeah, I, I have to look, but I think we're pocketing like what maybe like ten grand a month or more right now, just from Gatita and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's found money. It's like it's yeah. it's it's like uh, yeah, especially on someone that's never done it before. I remember I was at ASGTG and a few years ago speaking, and I, I mentioned something I think about Gatita and told some. And there's a guy in the audience that they were a big, big seller. And I remember the next year I saw them at the event, and they came up to me and they said, "Thanks for that uh, that tip. Uh, we got 1.3 million dollars back." Oh my goodness! Uh, and I was like, that, "That's that's awesome. Uh, that that's that's really awesome." Yeah, Kevin's um, like, "Hey, you want to give me one percent?" No, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I didn't get anything off it. I was I wasn't an affiliate or anything. I just I was just publicizing what I what I believe in, and and uh, yeah, you know, so that 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 was it. But hey, uh, it's been awesome speaking with you, Isaiah. I mean, it's uh, this has been great. I'm sure, like you said, we could sit here and talk for for a long time. If yeah. people want to know more about your company, or maybe there's a brand listening and they want to reach out and have you help them, or how, yeah. how would they uh, how would they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, so just onlinesellingpartner.com and uh, LinkedIn. If you want to connect with me personally, LinkedIn, uh, Isaiah Fritz, and uh, I come right up. And yeah, that's the way. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate your time, and uh, I, I look forward to uh, seeing you hit that $100 million sooner than later. All right, Kevin. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. There's so many different ways you can make money selling on Amazon, as Isaiah just showed you, and it doesn't matter your age. He started learning e-commerce at the age of 10, started selling on Amazon at 15, ran into some issues, and now he, he's crushing it. So no matter what you do, Amazon is still one of the best opportunities that's ever existed in business. And to be able to leverage their platform and their technology and their distribution and their audience is something that's just not heard of in the last 100 years. So hopefully you found a way to maximize what you're doing and can figure out a way to make some money on Amazon. And speaking of making money, if you're looking for some additional tips, some next level strategies, some things that we don't discuss on podcasts like this or in any other trainings, you want to check out the upcoming Billion Dollar Seller Summit. 
There's a virtual one happening in just a few weeks, February 22nd and 23rd online. Go to BillionDollarSellerSummit.com to check that out. Hopefully you can join us. It's a live virtual event. It's not pre-recorded. You can do it from anywhere in the world. So check that out February 22nd and 23rd. And today's little nugget is something that Isaiah actually touched on. The more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. The more valuable you are to your business, the less valuable your business is. We'll see you again next week. 